In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown! 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 Georgia! Now, here are your host, two-time All-American punter, Drew Butler. Drew Butler, leader in the country in punts 49-plus. See if he booms this one. He does. Wow! And Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, and SEC championship winning quarterback, Jake Fromm. Lee Flicker to get the night started. Downfield looking for Godwin. Into his hands. And guess which dogs are barking first? Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Dogs are winners. A national championship for a new generation of Bulldogs. Victory is mine, yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame, waiting for your next mistake. I put in work and watch my status escalate. Your cornballs get stolen. Welcome to the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined alongside my co-host, Jake From. Be sure to follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. He's at From Jake, puntandpass.com the number one destination for all things college football. Well, Jake, the regular season of the 2023 college football year is over. We are on to conference championship weekend. Of course, we're going to recap all of the craziness that happened over the Thanksgiving weekend. Tons of family, tons of food, tons of football. How are you, brother? Man, doing great. Had a great weekend. Was able to get home and check just a lot of things off the boxes. Got to see a lot of family, got to eat some great food, spend a little time outside, outdoors, got to get in the woods a little bit. Sweet. And it was a, uh, it was a great weekend. So um, it's always good when you get to see family and eat some good food. So now we're here, ready to get back to work. Another work week is uh, right at it. Yeah, you snuck in some screen time. I got a couple of picture messages of people watching the uh, Commanders-Cowboys game. Jake Fromm's face showed up. <laughs> Everybody was watching those football games, but that's pretty sweet. I mean, being on a team in the NFL that played the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, there's just not that many people who are going to be able to say they had that opportunity. What was the atmosphere like? Was it different? I mean, Dolly Parton was wearing a Cowboys cheerleader uniform. She looked awesome for 77, but that must have been pretty sweet. Oh, man, it was uh, it was really cool. I mean, just really the whole thing. I mean, you could just tell there's like a little bit of a different feeling, like a little bit more intense. Uh, just you knew it was just going to be a big game. Uh, the crowd was unbelievable. It was actually my first time ever being at AT and T Stadium. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was just, it was really cool. The whole, the whole experience was. Uh, Dallas is really cool. And um, yeah, the only thing missing off that trip was a win. But yep. hey, we'll uh, do our best to get out of them next time. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know what else is really cool. Solomon Brothers Jewelers. There's no doubt about it. And it is officially the holiday season now, people. I keep getting asked, what do you want for Christmas? Who do they want for Christmas? What does she want for Christmas? If you're wondering the same thing, you got to head on over 
the Solomon Brothers Jewelers. Two amazing locations. One is in Alpharetta, just past the Avalon. The other, 17th floor, Tower Place in Buckhead. You already know that by now. Solomon Brothers has the largest diamond and jewelry inventory in the Southeast. The store is for anyone with any budget, and it gets better because if you mention punt and pass or tell them that I sent you or that Jake Fromm sent you, you can get 10% off your jewelry purchase. Solomon Brothers has the lowest prices on the highest quality jewelry and diamonds guaranteed. Check them out on social media at Solomon Brothers on Instagram and Twitter, SolomonBrothers.com. They got everything you could possibly need, jewelry, diamonds, engagement rings, watches for the guys. Get on in to Solomon Brothers. Tell them Jake and Drew sent you from Punt and Pass. All right, my man, uh, let's just go ahead and recap. I got tons of notes here. I don't want to hold you too long. Conference championship weekend is here, and we have so many scenarios that could play out that could cause chaos, that could cause no drama. We'll get to that in just a second, but let's recap what happened on the last weekend of the regular season, okay? You were in Auburn. Let's start with the Iron Bowl. Okay, Georgia beat Georgia sure. Tech 31-23. Michigan beat Ohio State 30-24. to We'll touch on those games in a second. But what went down in the Iron Bowl was simply insane. Alabama squeaks out a win. They snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. They beat Auburn on the Plains 27-24. to I mean, I don't even know where to start. Obviously, the ending was insane, Jake, but right from the get-go, you knew Auburn came to play, and you just had the feeling, hey, this one's coming down to the wire. We got to start with Drew Butler calls it. He calls it. He says something about it. There's some weird juju in the air, and that Auburn's going to show up, and they're going to play. And I even texted you that. (laughs) You did. You jinxed it big time. Towards the end of the game, I'm like, dude, they're about to do this. How did you know? How could you pull this off? And as soon as I said it, a, pu- a punt gets muffed. A like, like within, within 30 <laughs> seconds of the text message. Like, you text me, how did you know this was going to happen? 30 seconds later, the muffed punt happened. Gosh, and then Alabama has it in the red zone, and then they get a, a botched snap. The center snaps it. Quarterback's not ready. And then the fourth down play that everybody knows. I mean, holy cow. The atmosphere was crazy. Um, obviously, you know, I was rooting hard for Auburn, uh, my brother being there. And, um, man, it was, it, was, it was a great game. I mean, both teams just running the football. It was like yeah. a, an old-school game. You know, didn't really have a whole lot of success throwing the football really on both sides. Um, just a gritty football game and dude, Jordan hair was rocking. It was crazy. Um, but I just, the fact that Alabama was just able to squeak by that oh. one, it just blows my mind. Call it, call it, call it whatever you want to call it. They just find a way to win in the fourth quarter. Winning's winning. So yeah, there's move no, on pictures, and get the next one. no pictures on the scorecard. I mean, Will Riker, their ultra trusty place kicker. He missed a field goal late. Yep. You, you just, sure you did. just thought, Hey, Alabama, this isn't their day. And, and, and something was telling me, this is why Auburn hired Hugh freeze with all the baggage that came along with it. Hugh freeze had the success. He wasn't scared of Nick Saban. And that's all that Auburn cares about. Auburn has not had a good season. They lost to New Mexico state after paying them over a million dollars to come to Auburn and play just a week prior. 
None of that would have mattered if they had beaten Alabama. And, brother, they had them on the brink. I thought Peyton Thorne played a great game. Very, very careful with the football. Some great quarterback-designed run plays. Alabama just didn't seem to have an answer. And I thought what was really interesting is that Auburn responded to each of Alabama's punches. um, And then Alabama responded to kind of the final Auburn punch, of course, before the end of game heroics with a quick three-play drive when Jermaine Burton got wide open and they hit a big play. Back and forth, back and forth, physical trench warfare and then the end okay auburn is getting the ball back alabama is punting they muff it that is right when you text me how did you know i think auburn's gonna do this they muff it alabama gets the ball back and still alabama can't get it in the end zone walk us through that botched snap because clearly milro just wasn't even ready is the center hearing something is the center waiting for something? Because, man, he chucked that thing back, and they lost 18 yards. It set him up for fourth and goal from the 31-yard line. We'll talk about that in just a second. But walk us through kind of who's to blame. What's the miscommunication when something like that happens and the center just yeah. snaps the ball? Yeah, you never know. Sometimes uh, defensive players, whether it's a clap, whether it's a, a set up cadence, now they're not supposed to do it. That, yeah, that it's is supposed a, to be a penalty. Yeah, it's a, it's a penalty. Like it's it's a a flaggable offense. Then they call it uh, delayed the, game now on the defense. Yeah, yep. That's that's exactly what that is. Um, maybe he heard something. Uh, obviously, the center heard whatever he thought he heard as the cadence, whether it be in verbal, whether it be in the clap. Thought he heard whatever it was. Uh, quarterback was not ready. It would have been a, maybe a little bit better snap. Maybe it would have hit Milrow, and and they lose five instead of you know twenty yards. Um, but what, what they were able to do on the next play is, is crazy. One thing I do want to add, it's just how Auburn was able to effectively run the football, the mm-hmm. entire football game. Like yeah. I think on two of their touchdown drives, I don't think they had a single pass the entire drive. I know for a fact, one of them was like that. It was, it was five plays, uh, all runs and just ran right down their throat. So, um, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves looking into next this weekend, but it just the, the key to success, I think, will be whoever can run the football uh, in that game. But obviously, we're still on that one. Would love to talk about that last play. Yeah. Well, Auburn like, rushed what? for 244 yards, to your point. I mean, that is incredible. Jarquez Hunter, 14 carries, 93 yards. Damari Austin, 10 carries, 85 yards. Peyton Thorne, the quarterback, 15 carries, 57 yards. And on the flip side, Alabama – they rushed for 192 yards, led, of course, by Jalen Milrow. And I will say Jace McClellan, their running back, is starting to look a lot better as well. Before the fourth and 31, though, Jake, remember Jalen Milrow was scrambling around, went past the line of scrimmage, and then came back and then threw the ball. That, of course, is a penalty. Alabama had to burn a timeout to save 10 seconds on the clock. They just kept moving further and further back which sets up the fourth and 31. Fourth and goal from the 31-yard line, and Alabama has to score a touchdown. Why in the hell did Auburn only rush three players? And I say rush three. Those guys just stood up and allowed Jalen Milrow to do whatever he wanted for however long he wanted. And to his credit, 
And to Alabama's credit, Nick Saban said, hey, believe it or not, we practice these types of situations. You bet your ass they do. He throws a dime to the back of the end zone, single coverage, Isaiah Bond. They catch the ball. The game is over. I cannot believe, Jake, that Auburn didn't bring some kind of pressure to make Jalen Milrow either A, get rid of the ball, or B, start running and get past the line of scrimmage. Because if he did, he had to go 31 yards to the end zone. That was coaching malpractice. That will haunt Hugh Freeze. Auburn should have won that football game, and of course they didn't. Yeah, uh, no doubt. I mean, the the philosophy is, you know, hey, do you do you bring three? Do you bring in just a normal four? Okay, do you bring a pressure and bring five? Do you uh, go blitz zero and and bring six, maybe seven, and add one? So the the philosophy is, you know, we can get all all you know, do all this board and chalk talk all you want. I, obviously, the answer is not to bring three against a quarterback who can run around back there. And if you're going to bring three, go go get him. <laughs> it's like they were. T- it's like it's like they were tired. They were gassed. They knew it was it was hopeless. Um, that's 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 what the offense wants in that situation because you know you're getting a a, a double team on each defender, mm-hmm. right? You're going to have two offensive linemen for one defender in, in two scenarios, and then you're going to have a tackle getting help from a back. Uh, off, off the other side. So and they're just sitting there playing yeah. patty cakes while Milrose back there just oh, waiting yeah. for everybody to get into the end zone. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I you know, I don't want to, to to share any trade secrets here, but we practice that a lot at Georgia. Those those fourth and fourth and goal situations that are that are pretty backed up, and uh, there was there was some heat being involved uh, when, whenever we would practice those scenarios. Um, so it always made me check to something I didn't want to check to. It was not, not the best play necessarily, but I had to get the ball out of my hands and I had to throw it short of the end zone, which is exactly right. what the defense wants you to do. Uh, at that point, then you're just playing backyard football and you got to rally and make a tackle. So, hey, wh- whatever you want to do, you still have to make a play, and they did not make a play on that last one. And that's going to hurt, man. It's going to hurt. Like, I, like you said earlier, it didn't matter how Auburn's season worked out. If they were able to win that game, it was a successful season, and they had it down to the wire to the last second. Yeah, and look, I'm not taking anything away from Alabama. That was a great play by Milrow. Credit to them for practicing those situations. Jake just told you he did the same thing at Georgia. I I learned this when I was with the Arizona Cardinals. Head coach Bruce Arian, who by all intents and purposes is a quarterback whisperer, he is certainly an offensive mind. In those situations, he would scream, at Todd Bowles, our defensive coordinator, who's now the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to blitz the quarterback. Make the quarterback make a decision because him, as an offensive-minded coach, knows that that is what the quarterback does not want, right? He's like, blitz him, blitz him, blitz him. Like, go get after the quarterback to make them make a decision. So that's something that's just always been ingrained in my head, having seen that play out at practice, in game times, and a lot of times it worked to Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles' credit. Of course, Auburn did not do that. The other thing, I was at the Atlanta News First Studios because I do the SEC wrap-up show right after the SEC on CBS game here in town. So while we're at the studio, Jake, yeah, you've got a bunch of monitors up there. You've got all the games on, um, and then you have your IFB, like your little earphone 
where you can hear the producer talking to you back in the control room. Well, the audio for the CBS feed in the studio is like 15 seconds ahead of what you're seeing on TV. So I'm sitting there watching it. It's fourth and goal, fourth and 31. And I hear Nestler and Danielson just start going crazy. He caught it. He caught it. And I'm sitting there going, you got to be shitting me. How is this about to go down? Then the ball gets snapped. Nobody rushes him. Milrow throws it deep back left. And you're like, I cannot believe that just happened. So I was hearing it happen before I could see it happen on the TV. It's just one of those games, man. One of those crazy moments to where, look, same thing happened in 2021. Auburn wasn't that good. Alabama, they went to four overtimes in Jordan-Hare. And then Alabama came to the SEC championship game. And that's the last game Georgia has lost. So, look, we can talk about that game until the cows come home. But let's keep moving around. Unbelievable game. Unbelievable game. Yep. Bummed out for your brother. Um, you know, to say, I was definitely rooting for Tyler. Tyler Fromm, you know, keep that's it right. in the punt right. and pass family. So amazing game. Another Iron Bowl for the ages. Uh, let's talk about Michigan, Ohio State. We can just touch on this one briefly. Yeah. Uh, you and I pretty much called this one to a T. Hey, if it gets physical, if it's a four-quarter game, expect Michigan to grind it out. Ohio State's not built like that. Ohio State tried. Michigan got a great interception late to ice the game. Ryan Day. Three straight losses to Michigan. Michigan remains undefeated. They take on Iowa this weekend in the Big Ten Championship game. Credit to them. Uh, you could talk about their schedule. You could talk about their head coach. You could talk about everything that's been going on outside or inside the program, however you want to look at it. But they take care of business at home with the with the assistant coach taking over the helm. Uh, pretty much exactly how I thought that game was going to go. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, kind of a gritty, cold weather, just a, a Big Ten football game, right? Yeah. Just what 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 we just know it to be. Uh, I do want to talk about having the assistant coach, you know, obviously, be the interim head coach here in this game because there's a lot of fourth downs. Oh yeah, that Michigan for went for yeah. extra aggressive, and they were able to get those. Um, and and how that changed the game and and got a little momentum for Michigan. I, I believe it was huge. Uh, they go for it on, on a fourth and goal, uh, get that one, another fourth and short uh, in the field. So I, I think that played a, a big impact on how they were able to win the football game. I didn't think either quarterback started off very well in this game. Honestly, it was very kind of poor and slow start by both offenses, um, but but got it figured out, got it going. Uh, this just came down to whoever was able to to run the football. Like this is an out-physical you game. Uh, and then they obviously Ohio State lost that battle to Michigan. And then Ohio State had the double whammy where they lost the turnover battle. Um, you just can't lose a turnover battle in big time football games to big time opponents. That's right. Because uh, it just comes to, back to uh, bite you in the rear end. Yeah, no, you're totally right. So Michigan undefeated, probably going to be ranked number two in tomorrow night's penultimate college football playoff rankings behind Georgia. You would assume Ohio State's going to be outside the top four. We'll talk about these chaotic scenarios mm. that could play out in just a little bit. But for whatever reason, I just had a feeling Michigan was going to take care of business, and they surely did that. They beat number two Ohio State at home 30-24 to for the third straight season. All right, let's talk about clean, old-fashioned hate. Georgia heads to the flats. Great atmosphere down there. 7.30 kickoff, ABC National Primetime. They win 31 to 23 a couple ways to look at this game i want to give coach brent key a lot of credit 
those guys played their asses off. Buster Faulkner had a great offensive game plan. Haynes King, dude, he was just having he he was dialed in. I was surprised Georgia Tech went away from the misdirection east to west motions to get Georgia's defense moving laterally, which then opened up tons of space for Hank King to pull that thing and get north and south, which worked out very well for them in the first half. But a spirited effort by Georgia Tech. Georgia kind of flexes their muscles and, and smushes the Yellow Jackets a little bit during the middle of the game. But then again, Tech drives down late. They put together a great drive. They get within eight points. They try the onside kick. Georgia recovers it and game over. But look, people, that is an in-state rivalry game. Tech gave it all they had. Georgia took those punches and rested a lot of people and, you know, relatively healthy heading into next week's SEC championship game. Yeah, so I'm I'm stuck on the fence. I'm literally sitting on the fence, and I'm, like, looking one way, and I could go the other way. I just don't know how I want to feel about this game, where they're mm. – it's 31 to 23, a one score game against an inferior opponent. Um, whereas when I watch it, I, I feel like Georgia just just played played better, but the score didn't really dictate it or show it. Uh, and then on the other hand, if Georgia Tech doesn't kick as many field goals as they did, like arguably oh, they yeah. should have won this football game. So I, I'm really stuck on the fence of how I want to feel about this game. Um, obviously, Georgia rested a bunch of guys. Brock didn't even play a couple defensive guys out. Uh, really missing the presence there in the interior of the defense. So I don't know. Uh, one thing that does scare me is that Georgia Tech had 205 rushing yards. Um, that That's a little uh, scary going into next week against Jalen Milrow, against Alabama's rushing offense that are able to do a lot of things offensively with their running attack. Um, but, yeah, I'm stuck on how I want to feel, feel about this game. Obviously, it doesn't matter because it's a win. It's a W in that column. Yeah. You move on. You get to play in the SEC championship game. Um, <laughs> another win, man. I, I saw a tweet with with how many wins in a row. I, I mean, it's just it's unbelievable what they're doing right now, what Kurt Smart's been able to do. Hey, chalk it up as a win. Move yeah. on. Let's go Shit, play in the yeah. big game. Like, be, beat those guys, yes. But at the end of the day, who cares? We're, we're playing for bigger things, and that starts this week. Yeah, absolutely. Again, no Lab McConkey, no Brock Bowers, no Tate Ratledge, couple of other guys on the defensive side of the ball did not play. Huge, huge props to Kendall Milton. 18 touches, 156 yards, and two touchdowns. He is running angry. He's running confident. He's finally healthy. He will be an X factor in the SEC championship game this upcoming weekend. I saw this tweet. Um, from our buddy Clem McDavid at Clem's tweets. And, and I believe this is from Graham Coffee. And Graham is a great follow as well at Graham Coffee DC. I thought this was phenomenal. I don't know who I think Graham wrote this. After Georgia B. Ole Miss, a podcaster who covers the Rebels pointed out UGA's lack of desire to blow out most of the teams on their schedule. This podcaster said something that was both funny and filled with a lot of truth. Quote, the ultimate status symbol in college football in the year 2023 is to have Georgia care enough to blow you out. End quote. I thought that was relatively funny. Like, it goes along with what we've been saying all year. Georgia elevates their play in the biggest moments of the season and they have blown out some of the teams in which they just wanted to flip the switch. Now, obviously, 
Tech in-state rivalry game. You'd want to blow them out, but look to the Iron Bowl. It's not always that easy against your in-state rival. Now, will they be able to flip the switch this upcoming weekend in the SEC championship game? You would hope so because it's time to play Alabama in a stadium in which you've never beaten them. And, Jake, you just brought up all the streaks in which you can add on to week after week. You and I, a couple weeks ago, I updated you on all the streaks that Georgia has going on. Look, we put it up on Instagram, at Punt and Pass, and, yeah, it got some pretty good reactions. After the game on Saturday, it just started popping. Comments, comments, views, views. I'm like, what the hell is going on? the Alabama people have gotten a hold of that clip. And they're like, mm-hmm. Kirby Smart's nothing without Nick Saban. Alabama start. I mean, and I'm like, people, you're not listening to what I'm saying in the clip. What's happening at Georgia has never been done before. Three straight 8-0 regular seasons in the SEC. Three straight 12-0 undefeated regular seasons. 38, you know, all these things have never been done before. Well, Saban won two. Look, I get it. I'm talking about what's happening right now at Georgia. So hats off to Coach Smart. Three straight, Jake, undefeated regular seasons. It's crazy, man. Yeah, uh, absolutely crazy. I, I think uh, I just just knowing from what it takes, being in it, uh, being a part oh. of his program, I mean, it is mind-blowing just how tough it is to do that, man, to, to take 18 to 22-year-old kids, young men, and go week week in and week out have the same focus, the same mentality. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe the the it wasn't a hundred percent focus this week. Yeah, sure. But dude, being able to scratch out a win in a game like that without ten of your best dudes on the field, twenty nine like straight is, times, twenty nine straight to times, do. brother. I know, I know. It's absolutely crazy. And you know what that does? It sets up what is undoubtedly. The Big Watch of the Week. That's right. Sovereign Brothers Jewelers presents the Big Watch of the Week. It's Conference Championship Weekend. We've got a ton of awesome games. We'll start with some Friday night action. The Pac-12 Championship game, which definitely has college football playoff implications. Oregon against Washington. That game's at 8 p.m. on ABC. Friday night in Las Vegas. Two quarterbacks who are jockeying for a little Heisman Trophy love as well, Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. Then, of course, it's Saturday at 4 p.m. on CBS, the SEC championship game, Georgia against Alabama. This line keeps going up. Georgia now a six-point favorite, I see. We're taping this on Monday evening. Look, the last game Georgia has lost, Jake, is the 2021. SEC championship against Alabama in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So if they want to avenge that loss, I guess, remember they beat Alabama two games later for a national championship. Kirby Smart's already talked about how much respect he has for SEC championships because he knows how hard it is to win them. This game right here is one that the committee will be praying for a certain outcome because it will alleviate a lot of stress in their Saturday night and Sunday morning meetings to set the final four teams for the college football playoff. But there is no doubt your Solomon brothers, big watch of the week is the sec championship game 4 PM on CBS, Alabama against Georgia. 
Kirby Smart against Nick Saban, Carson Beck and Brock Bowers against Jalen Milrow and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Check out Solomon Brothers on Instagram and Twitter at Solomon Brothers, SolomonBrothers.com. Tell them punt and pass sent you. Okay, let's go over these scenarios. Mm. Do you want the chaotic scenario first, or do you want the dream scenario first for the college football playoff? Yeah, let's start off with the dream scenario. Clean, cut. Okay. I want to know highest probability what it's going to be. I don't know if this is the highest probability, but I can guarantee you that the college football playoff committee has been given prayer cards, and on these prayer cards it (laughs) says, please pray for these things to happen. So our jobs are very easy. First things first, Georgia beats Alabama. They're the number one seed. They're the undefeated SEC champions. They would be penciled in immediately, followed by Michigan taking care of business against Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. Now you have an undefeated Big Ten champion in Michigan. Put them at the two spot. Then the Pac-12 champion, Oregon or Washington, doesn't matter. They fill in at the three spot. Here's where it gets interesting, and here's where the committee really wants this to go down. I think they want Florida State to lose the ACC championship game against Louisville. I think they want Texas to win the Big 12 championship game. Therefore, your top four would be Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Oregon or Washington 3, and then Texas slides in at four. Keep in mind, Alabama would have two losses. Florida State, without their quarterback, will have one loss and not be an ACC champion. Louisville, the ACC champ, has two losses. They're out. Texas takes care of business. A one-loss Big 12 champion with a solid win on the road against Alabama. They slide right in there to that four spot. Don't think anybody would have any qualms about it. Ohio State might have a word about it. Oregon or Washington, if Oregon were to win, Washington might want to cry about it. But Texas wins their conference, have a couple of solid wins. They're the four spot. The reason why this is even more so the dream scenario, Georgia would play Texas in the Sugar Bowl great geographically. That's another game that a team that has a current win streak against Georgia is Texas. I think that's like the only team that – I don't know what the exact statistic is. Uh, But that is a team that has beaten Georgia the last time they've played. It was actually in the Sugar Bowl. That would be a great. Thanks for bringing that up. Sorry about that, Jake Fromm. That would be a great matchup geographically. Sugar Bowl would love it. College football playoff committee would love it. And more importantly, the other semifinal game would be Michigan against Oregon or Washington in the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl gets their classic Big Ten Pac-12 matchup before it all goes bye-bye next year with the 12-team playoffs. So that's the dream scenario, okay? That's the prayer card that the college (laughs) football playoff committee has laminated and passed out to all members. Do you want to go down the chaotic path? I I just, yeah, I want to just ask a few questions here. Let's let's see just how it, say Georgia. So, all right, so we we like that. Georgia at one, Michigan at two. Three, the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Four right now is Texas, assuming they win, and Florida State loses. Okay? Now, same top three, but, okay, Georgia loses their game. Okay, we're going to get there. Keep going. Alabama. Assuming all else stays the same, now what happens? 
Michigan well, this is how, one. Yeah, this is how we get into our chaotic um, scenarios. So let's go through these. Georgia loses. Michigan wins. Is that your scenario? So they're obviously in. Pac-12 yep. champ, obviously in. If Florida State wins, are you saying Florida State loses in that scenario? Uh, I was assuming Florida, Florida State, State loses. loses. Texas would be – see, that's where I think it could get very interesting because Bama would have an opportunity to sneak in. However, there is a scenario in which the SEC might not have any team in the college football playoff, and this is wow. that very scenario. Michigan wins, undefeated Big Ten champion. Pac-12 champion, call it Washington. Washington, undefeated Pac-12 champion in Florida State wins the ACC championship. They're undefeated. Power five, ACC champion, they're in. And Texas wins the Big 12 championship. I think those would be your four playoff teams. I think even though Alabama were to have beaten Georgia in the SEC championship game, there is a way that there are no SEC teams in the college football playoff, the final year of which there are only four teams. And there is also a scenario, Jake, where we could have eight one-loss Power 5 teams after this upcoming weekend. Some crazy things would need to happen, like Iowa would have to beat Michigan. I don't necessarily see that happening. Louisville would have to beat Florida State as well. But if you want true chaos... Bama beats Georgia, Iowa beats Michigan, Louisville beats Florida State, Oregon beats Washington. Now, you have eight one-loss Power 5 teams. Is there any situation where Ohio State comes back into the mix, or are they just done? I think, just I think, I think they're done. I, I, I've been trying to crunch the numbers and the scenarios, and I don't see a way for Ohio State to sneak back in because the carnage elsewhere would, would have teams that would still be in front of Ohio State, I believe. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I like that. Um, Got a lot oh, of sure. got a lot of action there, brother. I, I would say the only thing we know for sure, okay, a hundred with a hundred percent certainty, Pac-12 is getting the team in. Is the Pac-12 and Michigan? I mean, Michigan will beat Iowa. I mean, come on, dude, that would be a crazy upset. I saw the spread was like twenty-four points, but the total was like thirty-three points. So like, odds makers don't even think Iowa was going to score a touchdown. Like, like that, that's how this game is being handicapped right now in Indianapolis. Michigan gets Harbaugh back. Who knows? Iowa's defense is pretty good. So, you know, I, just, I, the opportunity I, for chaos to happen is, is ripe for the taking, Jake. I just, you've given me an opportunity to say something very selfishly here. And I just, I wish that I had the opportunity. To, well, I, I don't, but I do. Like knowing going into an SEC championship game, that, hey, I'm just going to roll over these guys and beat them by 40 and go home and yeah. and get a ring. Like, that, I never had that. Like, no. Dude, we, were going, we were going up and we knew we were going to be playing. Like, and that was second, probably the literally for the, the, yeah, probably the, the, for the national the championship. You're, you're yeah. exactly right. You never had that luxury. Exactly right. So, look, I, I, I don't, as a Georgia fan and alumni, you know, I hope Georgia wins the game. I would be fascinated to see the media circus sideshow if it's setting up and possibly looking like the SEC is not going to have a team 
in the playoff? What would Saban be saying? What will Kirby Smart be saying? What will the talking heads on ESPN be saying? I don't want it to get to that situation selfishly, uh, but that could make for some interesting television viewing on Sunday morning. So a lot still to come down, Jake, from in the college football playoff committee rankings, which, of course, Selection Sunday is less than a week away. We'll break down all this on Thursday's episode. Uh, before we get out of here, let's touch up some of these new coaching hires. Texas A&M finds yep. their guy in Mike Elko. Did you see any of the chaos Saturday night about Mike Stoops supposedly being, you know, rumored to be taking the A&M job? And there was this huge revolt on oh, social yeah. media. I don't know. He didn't oh, even yeah. get a he didn't even get a raise to stay at Kentucky. So I don't know what the hell happened wow. there. Uh, really? Jonathan Smith from Oregon State. He leads his alma mater and heads to Michigan State. Kind of fascinating there, but look, Oregon State, they're in the pack two now. They don't even know where they're going to be playing their conference football here coming up. Jeff Levy, the former yeah. offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, is now the new coach at Mississippi State. And I'm sure I'm missing some other ones. Uh, Dana Holgerson fired at Houston. Tom Allen fired at Indiana. And uh, as we are recording this on a Monday evening, the transfer portal is now open. I keep refreshing Twitter. Kids are transferring or getting their names in the transfer portal like damn wildfire. It's crazy. So crazy times in college football. Yeah, I agree. Is it what would be the next best available job that's open? Is there is there one that we know of that's that's open at the moment? Like obviously the A&M job was was the premier job before Elko took it. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did think that was, you know, just, just interesting how that whole situation played out uh, between him and Mark Stoops and, and yeah. you know, Stoops saying, oh, I'm, I'm good. I, I didn't, I didn't want it. That was um, some of the openings right now, Houston, Indiana, Duke, Oregon state, Syracuse, middle Tennessee. Uh, and I can almost guarantee you that a Georgia assistant coach will be named a head coach at one of those places. I, I think that's a foregone conclusion. So depending on who it is and depending on what location it is at, uh, you bet that a Georgia assistant coach will get a chance to be a head coach. That Houston job could be interesting. I mean, they're in the big 12 now. Yeah. People forget that. Yeah. So Duke would be an interesting one as well in the ACC. So not the only coaches that are going to be let go or moving to new jobs. And certainly we'll keep tabs on that right here on punt and pass. Uh, Anything else on the way out? I had something on my mind and I just forgot it. Maybe it'll come back to me, but um, Um, crazy, crazy, crazy stuff here to happen in the final week of college football. Yeah, I can't wait to talk and, and dive into these games a little bit more, the matchups, all the good stuff. We'll look at uh, just some some rankings, how, how the offenses match up with the defenses, all that good stuff. And I'm, I'm pumped about it. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. I do know what I was going to say because this is crazy. So it's being leaked right now that the dates for Georgia's schedule next year are coming out, and it looks like Georgia will be traveling to Austin, Texas on October 19th why is that significant it is the same weekend that the f1 grand prix will be in austin so expect huge crowds 
I'm getting text messages now that wow. hotels are already sold out because F1 brings so many fans. So October 19th, dogs in Austin against Texas, same weekend as the F1 Grand Prix in Austin. Also, dogs in Tuscaloosa at Alabama on September 28th next season. So there you go. Dude, I mean, honestly, it's worth like buying a house in Austin just so you can Airbnb know, it yeah. out for that one weekend and make you all your exactly you, right. You make That's your money hilarious. back. That is so funny. All right, well, hey, that will do it for us on this week thirteen recap episode of Punt and Pass. We're on a conference championship week. Appreciate you tuning in. Follow us at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. He's at From Jake. Follow Solomon Brothers at Solomon Brothers on Twitter and Instagram. This episode was presented to you by our awesome partners over at Solomon Brothers Jewelers. The lowest prices on the highest quality jewelry and diamonds guaranteed the biggest selection and an in-store experience that is totally unmatched. Two awesome locations, one in Alpharetta just past the Avalon, the other 17th floor tower place in Buckhead. Jake, anything on the way out, man? No, man, I'm good. I think we said it all. We said it all, and we will talk to you on Thursday. See ya. We out. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.